got a question for you. You know, would you have a hobby? Do you have a hobby, something that you like to do uh, often, maybe once in a while, that's turned into something cool? Well, our next guest is a Calgary biologist during the day. But last summer, she volunteered to search Dinosaur Provincial Park for fossils with a, a university group. And what they found, wow, pretty impressive. It's a hadrosaur fossil. And get this, it has large portions of preserved skin, and that could help answer some age-old questions. Terry Kasky joins us this afternoon along with Mark Powers, who is a PhD student studying paleontology at the U of A. Terry, Mark, welcome to the show. Thanks, Thanks for having, for having me. us, Jalen. Hey, Terry, <laughs> I want to start with you. Uh, tell me about your volunteering last summer, uh, why you got involved and what you found. <laughs> yeah, well, I was helping out a, a friend who's running the field program, Dr. Brian Pickles, with the University of Reading, and uh, he's piloting a field program with the University of Reading. And uh, I was out there, and we were just trying to help out with some mapping and looking at some fossil uh, material, and we just happened to stumble upon, uh, upon something that was incredible. So you, you happened to stumble upon it. I saw some <laughs> pictures of it, and it's, it's, it's kind of odd. It looks like it's just like parts of it hanging out, two different parts of a big hunk of sand or something. What, what did you see? Yeah, so, well, actually, we were spending so much time looking at the ground, looking for just little pieces of bone fragment that it took a while before I think we actually looked up. And what we saw was a lot of the vertebrae in the tail sticking out of the rock. And then the more that we were looking at it, we noticed that this is pretty connected. And then once we called Brian over to take a closer look, that's when we realized that this might be intact. All right. One of the really cool things about this is that there was skin still attached. Yes. So that was a really exciting find. We didn't realize that at the initial uh, time when we found it, but then we had the director of the Tyrell come out, and as soon as he assessed it, he noticed that, yes, there is skin preserved on this, and that is quite unique. Okay, so Mark, why is that so unique? Why is having that skin preserved, is it just because it, it very often you don't find them like that? Yeah, so when you think about an animal kind of passing away and then it may be in a riverbank or under a sand dune, the fleshy bits and the, the soft tissue tend to decay either through just natural processes or other animals eating away at it. So it very rarely gets an opportunity to preserve it all. It also doesn't have any of the mineral components that we find in bone or enamel in the teeth, so it has a much lower chance of even being preserved in the uh, permineralization or fossilization process. So the fact that the skin was there, what does that tell you about how the animal died? It says that it was buried very quickly, and the way it was buried created a very strong seal so it didn't allow for a lot of external processes to actually invade and interact with the animal because if it did then we probably wouldn't have seen that skin in the first place so mark terry have either of you actually seen the skin yeah i've seen the skin when i was out in the park um we got to see it it's kind of a dark scaly basketball like texture <laughs> <laughs> That's putting it one way, so kind of like a basketball, leathery basketball. Yeah, kind of. Were you able to touch it? Yeah, for sure. We were able to actually touch it. Um, on the CBC story, you can see some photos of it there, too. Yeah, so w what was it like touching something like that? Like that That's kind of a, a bit of a, a mind-blown kind of moment, isn't it? 
No kidding. Uh, they estimate that the specimen probably passed 76 million years ago. So it's hard just to wrap your head around that time scale. Wow. Mark, so tell the, the hadrosaur, um, they, they were popular in, in Alberta at one point, were they? Oh, yes. They were quite ubiquitous across Alberta, North America, and even large parts of Asia. And they essentially could be kind of attributed to sort of Cretaceous cattle. They'd be roaming the areas, feeding on a wide variety of different foods. And that was part of kind of their protection against the really large carnivores was that they were large herd animals and they even grew to potentially larger sizes than the carnivores they lived with. So with the fact that the skin was found with this, Mark, what what can that teach us about this animal and about other dinosaurs? Yeah, that's a great question. It actually gives an extra point of comparison between different animals, especially when we find more skin impressions of similar species of animals. In a lot of modern animals, we use the soft tissue integument, like in birds, feathers, and uh, lizard scales, to actually compare them on a species level. So it may actually help to sort of split the difference between organisms we think were either the same species or very closely related and make a final assessment on it in the future, potentially. Very cool. Um, Terry, have you, have you been Back. Have you been back uh, looking for anything else? I was back in the park in the summer, and it's just every time you go there, it's such an incredible experience. It, it, there's a reason why it's a world UNESCO site for sure. Um, I, I, I'm hearing that this one, uh, the hadrosaur that you found, is um, about 13 feet in length. Um, as you yeah. mentioned, died about 76 million years ago. What have you heard about the the work to um, to release it from all of the rock? And do we know how much is in there? Is it entire? Do we know is an entire skeleton? It's still to be determined. Uh, they right now, last I've heard, they moved about a hundred tons of rock to get to the fossil, and they're still needing to move a lot more. So we were out there digging and loading up wheelbarrows and it, it's quite the ordeal right now <laughs> 100 tons mark my goodness what a long process painstakingly long isn't it absolutely I, yeah you, um, you gotta okay. like brush things away it's very very finite in some places for sure um, I know one year we were actually collecting for the university a ceratopsid dinosaur, and it was a similar situation that the overburden was essentially, I don't want to overestimate it too much, but about 15-ish meters deep, and then we had to dig straight down to the specimen to get the skeleton. So. Oh, my goodness gracious. Okay, Terry, do you get to name this one if it gets displayed somewhere? Oh, I'm not sure about that, but that would be pretty incredible. <laughs> okay, come up with a name, and I'm going to tweet you and find out what you come up with someday. <laughs> Terry and Mark, thanks for joining me this afternoon. Sure appreciate it. Thanks for having yeah, me. Thanks for having us. Yeah, you betcha. Terry Kowski, uh, who is a Calgary-based uh, biologist, a hobby paleontologist, and Mark Powers, who is uh, studying uh, vertebrate paleontology at the University of Alberta. So it's pretty cool if you check out, and actually there's a really great article uh, on... Oh, let me just grab it here for you on LiveScience.com that shows some pictures and you can actually see the, the, the vertebrae, the, the tail sticking out from the rock. And as she said, you know, it was, it was amazing when we finally looked up when we saw this and how much stone has already been cleared to try to get to it.
So they're still trying to figure out if it's a complete skeleton or not. But the fact that it has skin on it is going to be able to help one more time, you know, answer maybe some of those questions, put some of those pieces together, pebbly textured skin like a basketball. Is that what you thought a dinosaur skin might be like? 780-496-0063. Again, you can read the uh, the article at, um, at uh, livescience.com.